Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Today's episode is brought to you by the Best Year Ever Blueprint live experience. And if you are not familiar with the Best Year Ever Blueprint, that is one live event, the only live event that I have ever put on that I put on every year with my good friend, John Berghoff. And it is happening this December 13th through 15th in San Diego, California. We do it every December, every year. Uh, This will be our sixth one, I believe. And it really is unlike any event you've ever been to. And go to the website and get details, watch videos and grab your tickets. Bestyeareverlive.com is the site. Again, bestyeareverlive.com is the website and check it out. It really, unlike any other event, most events that I've been to, I listen to speakers and I take notes. And while there's value in that, I believe that the value ultimately is not in what you learn, but it's in what you live. And that's what we do differently at Best Year Ever Live is rather than you just learning a bunch of stuff that you could you know, find in a book or on the internet or on this podcast, right? It's about what you experience. It's helping you tap into your greatest strengths, your deepest inner wisdom, and then get really clear not only on what you want, but what's holding you back. And then real time while you're there, having a group of 400 plus like-minded members of our community that are being led through the same process that you're led through to facilitate rapid growth and transformation so that when you leave the event, you literally are a different person. You are a better version of who you were when you arrived. So most events, you go, you get a bunch of information and you leave kind of the same as you were when you arrived, but with a lot more information, like 10 pages of notes. Our event is very different. It's designed for you to experience that transformation and seeing what the better version, the best version of yourself looks like and experiencing that version of you while you're there so that when you leave, you don't just know what you need to do to create the best year of your life, but you literally have emerged. You've tapped into the best version of yourself that is capable of creating that life. So again, I think the words I just said, don't do it justice. But if you go to bestyoureverlive.com, there are still some tickets left. And you're going to hear about the event between now and December. I mean, it is, you know, we just opened up ticket sales a few weeks ago. And uh, I think we have 280 or 330. I actually don't know the number, but we've got quite a few hundred tickets already sold and there's still some left. So hopefully you can join me and John Berghoff and uh, our community in San Diego in December. Goal Achievers, hello, it's Hal Elrod and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Today, I get to talk to a friend of mine. And when I say talk to, we're going to talk. I uh, I was chatting with him a few minutes ago and I said, you know, I was prepping for today's discussion, conversation, interview, whatever you want to call it. And I said, I really want it to be just an open dialogue. Like you and I were sitting at a coffee shop just talking about entrepreneurship. And uh, he said, absolutely, he's all for it. So That's what we're going to do today. And if you are not familiar with my friend, my guest, Cameron Harold, uh, he is known around the world as the business growth guru. He's the mastermind behind hundreds of companies, exponential growth. And he's that rare individual who not only possesses knowledge and experience, 
but also the ability to present it clearly and effectively, right? And that's not always one and the same. You have people often that they're genius at what they do. They're brilliant in business. But if you ask them, you know, hey, teach me what you do, they don't quite know how to articulate it. And that is one of the reasons because Cameron's so good. He was called the best speaker I've ever heard by Forbes magazine publisher, Rich Carlgaard. And uh, Cameron captures business audiences, educates them and empowers them to take the actionable steps needed for hyper growth. And if you're listening to this as, you know, I know my audience, 80 plus percent of you, of us are entrepreneurs. Many of you are considering it. I've always said everybody should at least consider it. And today's conversation, I think is going to be one where whether you are a seasoned entrepreneur or, you know, you're what they call a entrepreneur, right? You're, you're thinking about it. I think you're going to get a lot of value. And I just want to mention before I bring Cam on, he's also the author of four successful business books, Double Double, which is the one that he became kind of famous for, Meetings Suck, Free PR, and the one that he and I co-authored together with Honoré Quarter, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. And it is my pleasure to bring on my good friend, Cameron Harold. Hey, Hal. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I was, I was hoping you were going to mention the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. Yeah. I saved the best for last, right? So. Well, it's funny because um, my first book, Double Double, I actually met the uh, founder or the CEO of a company called Greenleaf Books, who's from Austin, where you yeah. live. And Clint was in the bathroom at MIT. I was speaking at MIT and I'm like, hey, I need you to publish my book. He's like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> um, and so I met him in the bathroom. And then you and I, we were, I was walking to the bathroom. You were walking back from the bathroom. <laughs> you asked me if I would co-author The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs with you. I think I just got to hang out at bathrooms now because I have yeah. two books from bathrooms. That's where the magic happens, ladies and gentlemen, right? Awkward. Awkward. Yeah. If, yeah. If you go to an event, make sure you hang out in the bathroom. In fact, I, who did I talk to the other day? Um, I talked to someone. Uh, he waited for... Oh, John Travolta. He wanted to, to meet John Travolta. And he went to an event where John Travolta was at and just waited at the bathroom. He's like, he's uh, actually got to go to the bathroom. And sure <laughs> enough, he walks into the bathroom and they got a selfie together. And it was funny. Uh, yeah. So what's new, man? What's new in, uh, in life and business? Well, you know, what's occupying your consciousness right now? I'll give you one that's, that's, um, that's kind of different. My oldest son... So I have two boys, 18 and 16. And my oldest started university in September... I uh, went away from Vancouver where I, I split my time between Vancouver and Scottsdale. And, and in Vancouver, he had a chance to go to a couple of universities in town and he chose to go to one that is uh, a flight away, a short flight, but he's going mm. to the University of Victoria in commerce. And I dropped him off there August 30th, filled with pride and excitement and you know nervous for him, but also so sad. Mm. And, um, and I'd never had those emotions mixed together. Like pride is a happy feeling, but I was yeah. sad. And, you know, excitement is supposed to be a happy feeling, but I was sad. And I just had this, this horrible feeling of like, wow, when am I going to see you next? And um, it was a really, really hard feeling to wrap my head around. And, and he comes home Friday for the first time. I went over there a couple of weeks ago to visit with him. And, but he's coming home Friday for Canadian Thanksgiving. And I'm kind of excited, but it also is this dawning of that next stage of my life and then the next stage of his, right? He's becoming a young man and moving out into the world and I'm moving towards that empty nest stage where it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I recently had that. I don't know that I have really. I'm, I'm always really, really present. And if somebody talks about, oh, like my wife's say, you know, when our kids are going to leave someday, or I'm going to go, don't, don't. Think. You're like, that's not for a long time. Don't think about that. And I don't know what it was, but the other night I had that, I was like, 
you know, my daughter just turned 10, right? So I mean, you know, but it's obviously, as you know, it goes by real fast, you know, better than I do, right? You start to see little signs of like, you know, hey, sweetie, you want to go do our favorite thing in the world? No, I want to hang out with my friend. (laughs) Wait, what? You're, no, it's already happening. Yeah, that's that's the initial stage of them breaking away is they don't want to do that weekend away or they come and go, hey, I'm going to go with my friend's family on this vacation for three days. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm going to miss you. Like you're so excited for them, but it's like, oh, I'll miss you. And then you realize, wow, that's our job is to kick them out of the nest, right? Yeah, well, it is. But I, I'm reading a book right now and the timing was kind of perfect. This came into my life. It's called Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. Oh, I, you know what? I've actually read an article about that. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and that is, or it was an excerpt from that book that my ex sent me because she and I co-parent together. And it nice. was about that really, really keeping that, that open relationship and trust. And, and um, tell you one big thing. I learned this from Burning Man a couple of years ago real pure radical candor, radical openness, radical honesty with your children. Yeah. Not so much them being honest with you, but if you want them to be honest with you, if you want them to come to you and be vulnerable, you have to be with them. So you have to truthfully answer every question they ask you about anything. Yeah. So if you're so the you know if your kid asks you about drugs and you've done them, you have to say yes, I did them. And then mm-hmm. explain why you did why? them, explain what you did like and didn't like and because otherwise, how are they ever going to feel comfortable in coming to you? Yeah. I was like, whoa, that's tough. That's interesting. Well, and I'm glad you said that because the timing is perfect. My daughter just asked me, dad, how much money do we make? Are we millionaires? How does it, you know? And I'm like, uh, well, and actually I did read this in a book. I think it's called The Opposite of Spoiled. I think that's the one. And they talked about when you get asked that question, don't just answer it because your kids have no context of money. Or at least they have not no context, but theirs is, you know, you make a, that's a crazy, you're rich, right? Like, so what they said is you say, yeah, I'm happy to sit down and show you, but first we're going to go over all of our bills. All of our expenses. Yeah. All of our expenses. Yeah. Right. And then they go, you know, cause then how different that is, right? If they go, wait, you have $8,000 a month in expenses. What? So then when you make 10,000, they go, that's not that much. (laughs) (laughs) And so we had that, it was literally, I think it was a night before last and I, she asked it and I'm like, Oh, I felt that, you know, like, oh, how do, how do I answer this? And I said, hey, sweetie, I'm happy to answer that, but we got to sit down and I, I need to show you. I can't just tell you. I got to show you so you understand the whole thing. Here's the electrical um, bill and here's the cable bill and here's the car bill and here's mommy's yeah. bill. Here's yeah. the credit card debt. We're, you know, right? Here's what the mortgage, here's how much we owe on the house. Well, I'll tell you, and this might end up being a parenting uh, episode, but some of the best advice I've ever gotten on parenting, and it's very much along those lines, Cam, is it was from Joe Rogan. I was watching one of his epi- an episode of his podcast. And he said that most parents, you know, when their kids do something wrong that doesn't reflect the values of the family or whatever, or the parents hold true, that most parents condemn the kid, they criticize the kid, they get upset, they punish the kid, right? And what that does is it creates, there's a lot of negative consequences. It creates separation, it creates shame, it creates a, right, where you feel like the parent is superior part of that separation. And Joe says that whenever my kid does something wrong, I immediately search my memory banks for when I've done that wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I go, oh yeah, you know what? When I was your age, I did the exact same thing or something similar. And they go, what? You did? And now all of a sudden, wow, you're a peer, you're connected. And they... No, and, my 16-year-old came home and he'd been, he was kind of, he'd been no drinking. And I talked to him about it the next day. I'm like, God, I was your age and I was drinking. And I really, I threw up at my friend's house and he's kind of looking at me and you realize like, oh, you're not mad at me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm mad that you you know, we're supposed to be home at 10 and you got home at 11, but I'm not mad that you're drinking. You're 16. Of course, you're going to be drinking. I mean, it's, 
I mean, that's why the drinking age is only 19 in Canada. It probably should be lower, but yeah, I just want you to tell me the truth. And if you're scared and they, by the way, parenting, this could be a whole parenting episode, but it's still that's very tied to business. Running oh, a yeah. company, running a company is almost the same as building a family. Hmm. I talk to companies. I'm like, why would you do a quarterly review with employees? Those are stupid. Would you ever do a quarterly review with your kid? They're like, no. So if your kid does something wrong, do you wait till the end of the quarter to tell them no? When you do huh. it right away, interesting. What do you do to tell them wrong? You say, well, you shouldn't do this. This is what I want you to do. This is how this is how what you did made me feel. How do you you talk in the same way? And if they do something right, do you wait till the end of the quarter to tell them no? When you tell your kid, well, I tell them right away. Great. How often do you praise your kid? Oh, I praise them all the time. Do that with your employees. You know, hmm. Growing employees is the same as growing our kids, right? Our job with our kids is to raise these happy, healthy, independent kids who can eventually leave the nest and do it on their own. Our job in companies is to raise these happy, independent, strong employees who can do it on their own, right? Our job is to grow people. Our job is to grow kids. Yeah, I love that. And I think that it parallels the right meaning. I often um, said to my wife recently when she was disciplining the kids, I go, look, I said, I think that we should discipline our kids the way we would discipline a friend, mm-hmm. right? Meaning you would never talk condescending like that to your friend if she right. did something wrong. You would say, hey, that really hurt my feelings, right? Go to your room. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. Go to your room and you're not, it's like, screw you, I'm out of here, right? Like, we're not friends anymore. Sit on the floor in the corner. You're a yeah. bad friend. Goes both, well, I'm going to spank your butt, right? What? Get out oh, of here. I saw, I saw a funny cartoon about that. This was the father, the mother comes in and she goes, Hey, you know, I was in our 12 year old son's room and I found all this porn and S&M and bondage gear in his room. What should I do? And the dad goes, well, I sure as hell wouldn't spank him. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, That's funny. I thought you were going to say, Hey, take that from him and bring it to our room, right? Yeah, bring it to our room. I wouldn't spank him for it. That's for sure. That's Funny. That's really funny. Um, so, you know, entrepreneurship is the road less traveled, right? Yeah. You know, I've spoken on this podcast so much about it that everybody should, A, I think we have a responsibility to have multiple streams of income because as we've seen, whether you're an entrepreneur or corporate America, when the economy turns, if you only have one source of income and all your eggs in that, are in that basket, you might be in a lot of trouble. And I have been in the past. So anyway, that's kind of a tangent, but how did you become an entrepreneur, Cam? How did, what's your journey? What, how did that start out? So I, I was groomed as an entrepreneur. I was raised as an mm. entrepreneur. It's funny. I think on this, on this whole entrepreneurial journey, I think what you just touched on is something I agree more with, which is that people should be entrepreneurial, but not necessarily quit their job and just be an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, I think that some people have the DNA to be an entrepreneur, right? We have the DNA traits yeah. and we're okay with that kind of risk and work and, and balance and we're good at sales and marketing ourselves, which you need to be to be an entrepreneur. But I think some people should have a job. Like the reality is only 3% of the world should be entrepreneurs and 97% should be working for them. Those are entrepreneurs that run companies with teams of people. Yeah. Right? But I think everyone should be more entrepreneurial. Right. So we're so if you get fired, you can pick it up and run, right? Or you can do the stuff that you love, but do it for five companies instead of for one company. But I don't think a lot of people should go out and necessarily try to start their own company. I think there's, um, I think there's an awful lot of people that are struggling with that. It's because they don't have the skill set and they don't have the entrepreneurial DNA to do it. Well, and it goes along with what that, that's very similar to what we talked about before we started recording, which is I told you that I recently, and actually I'll share this with the audience. They've never heard this, but I recently had almost a nervous breakdown, like a pre-nervous breakdown, which I've never really had. And it was because I've been trying to build a team since December 
And I learned the hard way that, oh, I'm not supposed to build a team or at least not run a team, right? Like, so in the same way that you say some people being an entrepreneur is not in their DNA, managing people and managing processes and managing projects is definitely not in my DNA. So any more on that in terms of, you know, you've worked with uh, from 1-800-GOT-JUNK to, you know, you've been involved in some really successful companies and now you teach entrepreneurs how to be successful with their companies. So in that regard, have you seen in terms of like personality type, just in general, like on the concept of what type of person or how do we know, I guess, where we fit? How do we know what we're meant to do? How do we figure out what our strengths are, what our natural geniuses are? Are there questions we can ask? Are there other people we can ask? Like, how do we get clear on what we're supposed to do that will make us happy, fulfilled, and leverage our strengths? So I'll answer the first part first is on the entrepreneurial DNA, and then I'll answer the second uh-huh. part on the, um, you know, what should we do and, and unique ability stuff. So I, on the entrepreneurial DNA or the entrepreneurial traits, I was on a flight from Chicago to Miami, and I was sitting beside this guy who was um, very distracted, very ADD. Uh, during our conversation, he went through an emotional roller coaster three times, like very bipolar. Um, and he kept tapping on his leg and touching his nose, which is um, a nervous tick that is a sign of Tourette's. Hmm. Another sign of Tourette's is thinking out loud. Now, those three traits are very, very um, kind of talked about by the medical community as diseases. But most entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurial CEOs or entrepreneurs are ADD, which is not a disorder, attention deficit disorder, or it could be an attention deficit disbursement or attention disbursement Hmm. uh, is a strength. As an entrepreneur, when you see everything around you, when you see what's happening with your customers, the suppliers, the economy, the market, your website, when you notice stuff jumping off a spreadsheet, you notice the tiniest little details, those are strengths as an entrepreneur. Now, if you're an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, ADD is a, is a disorder, right? You can't be that distracted. But as an entrepreneur, you need to be distracted. You need to see everything. Hmm. So he had that. Second thing that he had was this bipolar. So the mania is the, the upside. Well, as an entrepreneur, you need to have that manic, crazy energy. You've got it. And that's why people follow us. They follow that excitement. They follow that enthusiasm. They follow that energy. You know, think when was the last time you met an engineer or a banker or a doctor who was inspiring? Not that often. They're kind of flat, kind of flat boring, but they're supposed to be even keeled, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurs aren't supposed to be even keeled. The stress and depression is simply us course correcting because we burned out our adrenals. Mm. And we often work too hard and we don't take enough time to course correct or to, um, to recharge. And then that, that, that Tourette's, that thinking out loud component of a Tourette's is something that's very endearing as an entrepreneur because people trust us because we say what's on our mind, we say what we feel, we wear our heart on our sleeves. But in the medical community, you can't say what you feel or as an engineer, like you following? Yeah, yeah no, so, this is actually brilliant. And yeah. So I'm sitting with this guy and I, and I told him those three things and he's looking at me and he's like, how do you know that about me? And I'm like, I just know you're an entrepreneur. I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm an entrepreneur. And I said, well, I said, how big is your company? He's like, it's pretty big. It's like 700, 800. So I'm like, okay, 700,000, 800,000. And I'm like, how many employees you got? He's like, uh, 14, 15. I'm like, so it's a small business. He goes, no, no, it's, it's, it's big. We're operating in like seven countries. I, I said, I thought you said you had 14 or 15 employees. He goes, no, 14,000, 15,000 employees. <laughs> I'm like, well, I thought you said 700,000 in revenue. He's like, no, seven, 800,000 800, in yeah. revenue. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, <laughs> like, I'm the largest Hispanic-owned company in the United States. This was Marcelo Clure, who started Brightstar. 
Marcelo uh, sold Brightstar for over a billion dollars about two years later and became appointed as the CEO of Sprint. So I was coaching him when he was CEO and when his COO, I was coaching his second in command for 18 months, Jamie Jones. Marcelo was classic entrepreneur. But if he had listened to the doctors or lawyers or the, the teachers telling him that he was, he was a problem, he never would have done what he'd done. So those are some of the entrepreneurial DNA traits is if you know you're different, if you know you think different, if you're distracted and seeing stuff, think of those as your superpowers. If that gives you confidence, then you might have what it takes to go be an entrepreneur. I love that. I mean, what you're talking about in terms of the entrepreneur being... well. I think what really resonated with me is I just had this conversation with my daughter this morning is about the ADHD, right? Dad, I have ADHD. I don't like that. I'm like, first of all, I don't know that that's a disorder. Second oh. of all, it's a benefit, right? Yeah. I mean, I say, you know, and you have to work hard to focus. Well, people that don't have ADHD or whatever, you know, I don't know what name it, you'd give it, but they have well, to work hard to come up with good ideas. But maybe we don't try to get her to work hard to focus. Maybe we get her to realize that you. your focus will be in 20 minute blocks. Hmm. So, so I sit in probably six different places in my home. I work from home. I sit in about six different places during the day. Hmm. I, I stand up and I move. I can't sit in the same place all day long. So I, I've got this kind of bouncy chair that's over by the, ca- the, the uh, counter that I sit at. I've got one couch in my living room. I've got this long leather chaise by the fireplace I'm in right now. I, I, I go and work for my tennis club. Like I need to move around and I work in, I use Pomodoros. So I work in 20 minute sprints and then I take a 10 minute break. Nice. And, and we can't try to get somebody who's ADD to focus for long periods of time, but you can also not get a professional athlete to do their sport for 50 hours a week either. There's no professional tennis player that plays tennis 50 hours a week. They might have three matches in the course of a week and each match is two hours or three hours total. So they're practicing in the rest of the time, but they're game on focus six to eight hours a week. There's no professional basketball player or ten, you know, or, or um, uh, football player. Like they play one game a week, two games a week. The rest of the time, they're in downtime or they're cross training. Why are we as entrepreneurs thinking we need to be so focused and game on fifty hours a week? It's impossible. Hmm. So I think the school system really hurt us as kids yeah. because it told us to get a tutor to work on our weaknesses. What they should have said was delegate your weaknesses to someone who's really strong at that, work together and collaborate as a team, submit your projects together as a team, and I'll give all of you an A. That's what being an entrepreneur is. It's the who problem, not the how problem. We spend so much of our time figuring out how to do something instead of figuring out who to do it with or who to do it for us. Talk about Pomodoros for anyone that isn't familiar with that. I just wrote it down as a reminder that I need to get back to working in that fashion. But oh, I, mean, if I understand Pomodoro's, it's, it's based on an Italian student who um, couldn't focus for very long. And someone gave him an Italian food timer that was shaped like a tomato, which I think in Italian is Pomodoro. Got it. Yeah. He, so he took this, this food timer and turned it to 20 minutes and he focused for 20 minutes and then the bell went off. So he kind of like Pavlov's dog, he rewarded himself at, when the, at the bell and took a 10-minute break to go for a walk or to read a book or just to turn his cobwebs off in his brain. And then he turned on the timer for 20 minutes and he worked hard and focused for 20 minutes. And then when the bell went off, he took another break. So like I have a little timer on my phone. It's called Focus Time. And I just press the button and it sets it off. i download that right now. That's something that when I was in sales, when I was 19 years old, I had this realization. 
And it's interesting because I didn't know about the Pomodoro technique back then. And I called it half hours of power. Mm. And it was, it was just intuitive where, so I would make phone calls for 30 minutes as fast as I possibly could. Uh, you know, once I got someone on the phone, of course, I didn't rush the conversation. I would just have a conversation, but I was calling prospects to schedule appointments. But I just intuitively realized that that's how it would work for me, where instead of sitting there, you know, the idea of sitting down for two hours of calls was like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I would procrastinate, right? I would never even get started because it was such a daunting task. And then I created this half hour power strategy where I went 30 minutes, if I call as fast as I can, and then I earned a 10 minute break, right? And what you're doing is the, the psychology is, oh, like that breaks right around the corner, that rewards right around the corner. It's a real short sprint. And then I get to rest, relax, recharge, check yeah. Facebook, get a drink of water, whatever. And then I would start 30 oh, yeah. hour power number two, right? Yeah. And so um, now do you work? Can I ask you something? You mentioned sales and considering we're just sitting in a coffee shop having a chat. Yeah. yeah. Why is it you were doing sales with Cutco? Yeah. And and I everyone I've met at Cutco, John Rulin, yourself. Um, Brad Weimart, everyone I've met at Cutco, I really like as humans. Yeah. There's something about the DNA type that they recruited for because you were, all, you guys were all doing it in different cities. It's not like you were all friends. No. Um, you, I think you met through Cutco later in your, in, but what was it that Cutco looked for in their people? Do you know what they were recruiting for? Were there behavioral well, traits or where they, where they did the recruiting? So what's interesting is it was primarily college students. That was kind of the in 1981 Vector Marketing Cutco. I think bought this company Vector Marketing, or they I don't know the exact story, but they decided they would start recruiting from colleges. They figured, well, hey, well, college students are young, they're ambitious, they're hungry to learn, versus recruiting someone that is you know much older and maybe at the end of their career or whatever. And then what they did is they created a really effective presentation and a really simple, effective way to train it. And the product is so good, they went... And this will, by the way, I'll get to really answer your question, but you have to understand kind of the backstory here for context. And that is, the product is so good that if you simply utilize some basic sales psychology and you build value and create a need and all of those things, if somebody uses the knives, they go, oh my God, these are like the greatest thing ever. And then it was just a matter of basic understanding of, well, how do you actually lead someone from a, these are really great and sharp to... Do I need them? Can I afford them? Are they going to last? Right? You know, is it the right decision to buy? And so, what Cutco did is they basically hired anyone, any college student that came in. And I shouldn't say it wasn't any, but it was anyone that you know that it was like this person is the type of person, right attitude. You know, they seem sharp. Pardon the pun. And uh, I want on my team. And then it was a you know you obviously couldn't determine who was actually going to follow through and work hard. So especially at a college level, there wasn't a lot of work experience to draw from. And so what happened is the cream rose to the top as in most fields, industries, companies. And so let's say you know they would interview 20 college students. They would hire, let's say, 15 of them. And then they would train those 50. They would have a weekend, three-day training. And the training was... You would role play that presentation over and over and over and over again. And then when you went on an appointment, you literally... And this was actually brilliant. You would start by saying, Hey, Mrs you know, hey, Cameron, I'm actually going to read all of this because I'm new and I don't want to miss anything. And that actually was great because you're like, oh, like your sales wall oh, would like drop, it. right? Because yeah. you're like, oh, this person doesn't even know what they're doing. And then you could actually really listen versus like, oh, they're trying to sell me. You're like, they don't even know what they're doing. And then they, you'd listen. And then the product and presentation were so good that the product would kind of sell itself. And mm. from there, it was who were the people that actually were willing to work hard over an extended period of time once that initial excitement, infatuation period, as I would call it, would wear off. 
And that's where the Brad Weimerts and the John Rulands and, you know, and me and John Berghoff and all these folks, we were the ones that actually, you know, because anybody could sell the product because it was so good. So it wasn't that they were hiring you, right? They weren't doing personality assessments. And it wasn't that they hired effectively. It was that their program was so effective that the people that were willing to put in the work and overcome the adversity and the rejection and that sort of thing, those are the people that you've met, so to speak. Interesting. Yeah. So it was a program that was so effective that it allowed people with no sales experience, as long as they had the will to work and to keep working, it allowed them to kind of emerge and become a better version of themselves. Like before Cutco, I was a really mediocre high school student. I was mediocre in college. I wasn't popular. I didn't play sports. I wasn't one of those kids that you're like, man, you're good at everything, right? Like you're going to, of course, be good at this. I was the opposite. But Cutco was so effective that it allowed the best in me to emerge. And then a big part of it, personal development is a part of the culture, right? So I was learning in my three-day training about positive thinking. I'm like, what's that? I've never heard of... I'm 19. I've never heard of positive thinking. Like, what? Wow, wow. You know, I was hearing quotes by Jim Rohn, like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm like, what? Interesting, right? So I'm a 19. Well, and a, I'm, lot of, a lot of that is the part of the DNA that they groomed in you as well then. That was it. Yeah, the leadership. And I would say that it, the personal development as part of the culture, I think that was definitely... Or I know that was definitely a part of it. I learned, you know, I always say people ask, you know, if they're interviewing me, like, how did you become like this, whatever, and how you are? And I say 50% of it is my mom and dad. And 50% of it is the leaders at Cutco Cutlery. That, mm-hmm. you know, my manager, my mentor, his manager, a mentor of mine, right? That taught me all of the guiding principles, if you will, that allowed me to create success in Cutco and then in everything I did after that. That's really cool. Those are big lessons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you said you were groomed as an entrepreneur. What were the first entrepreneurial opportunities that you took advantage of? Yeah, so my, my father was an entrepreneur and so were both my grandfathers. My father raised my brother and sister and I to all be entrepreneurs. We all own our own companies today. Hmm. Um, and he showed us that have, being an employee was a bad idea because you were trading time for money. Yeah. Uh, being an employee was a bad idea because you didn't get to control how much free time you could take. Uh, you didn't get to control your vacations. And being an employee was a bad idea because you had to do what other people wanted you to do. You didn't get to do the work that you wanted to do that you loved doing. Hmm. So he said when you were an entrepreneur, you could rig all the rules in your own favor to give yourself only the jobs that you love to do and you can hire other people to do it. And I was like, whoa. So it was never about making money. It was always about controlling your time and controlling what you got to work on. And that's... That was really the powerful lesson. And then he would have us do these little businesses. I mean, I did a, a talk that's on the main TED.com website about raising kids as entrepreneurs. It was how I was raised and all these little business ventures that I had by the time I was 18. Um, you know, it turned that when I was 21 years old, I had 12 full-time employees in my company that I owned. You know, I was in second year university and I had a business of 12 employees. Wow. So yeah, I, I really have never known jobs per se. Um, you know, the only real jobs I've ever had, I was second in command for a couple companies, but I really treated it like my business. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, I love, you know, you said this earlier, we didn't go down this aspect of it, the rabbit hole too much, but the idea that everyone should act, work like an entrepreneur, because even if you're at an organization, right, that's how you rise to the top of the organization. You go, this person's self-reliant, they're creative, they're innovative, they're hard, right? Like those traits of an entrepreneur. 
been, we touched on a few of that in, in our book, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. Some of what I brought, you know, you brought in a lot of the core stuff around the Miracle Morning components and around the savers. And then I brought in kind of some of the rest of the day and some of the entrepreneurial success habits. But some of what we covered in that book was around the areas of focus and leveraging a second in command and leveraging powerful vision statements like vivid visions to become, to kind of grow your entrepreneurial life. So I'm trying to share some of that in the book. Absolutely. And I just found your talk that you just mentioned a minute ago. If anybody hasn't seen this, Cameron Harold, Let's Raise Kids to Be Entrepreneurs. That's his, uh, your TED Talk on YouTube here, which by the way, it looks like in Italian, it's got like 1.8 million views, the Italian version. That's crazy. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> nice work. Isn't it funny? We, in Miracle Morning, I've sold more copies in Brazil than in US and any other country. Uh, it's so wild. But... uh Man, so what's next for you? What are you focused on? I know right now you're, you're doing a lot of coaching and consulting. Talk about what you're doing now and what the future looks like. Yeah, so the pure focus for me right now is on growing what I call the COO Alliance, which is the only network of its kind in the world for the second in command. So there's lots of these groups and masterminds for entrepreneurs. Uh, we have one that is only for the second in command. No CEOs allowed. Uh, minimum revenue requirements is a minimum of $5 million in revenue for your company to qualify. So that's what I'm focusing on. I've got a podcast called the Second in Command Podcast, and we only interview the Second in Command. You know, everyone you interviewed my Second in Command. I did. Yeah, we because yeah. you know, everyone wants to hear Hal's story. I want the rest of the story, right? So I got to interview your Second in <laughs> Command. It's Tiffany, I think, is her name. Yeah, right? Tiffany Swinehart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had Tiffany on the show and got to hear her perspective of what it's like building your business. And it's almost like asking a husband and wife. You know, if I asked your wife. What's it like raising your kids? She would tell me the story of how you raise your kids together, and it would be very true. And if I asked you, how do you raise your kids? You would give me a very true story, but it would be different than your wife's. Both would be true. So that's why we do the Second Command podcast, is I just want the rest of the story. I love that. Uh, yeah, and then my coaching, right? I, I coach CEOs and entrepreneurs of real companies all over the world. I do, I've done speaking events now in 28 countries on six continents, and then just chilling, hanging out. I'm going over to Europe again for the... I'll have spent seven weeks in Europe since June 1st. I'm going over to Europe again in a couple of weeks for my birthday. So a lot, lot of travel. Yeah. Are you speaking out there? No, I'm going to a music festival with one of my, one of my clients owns a, an EDM festival with some of the top DJs in the world. So I'm going over to pretend I'm 25 years old and party a bunch of 25-year-olds for my birthday. I've hung out with you maturity wise. I think that you're... I think <laughs> you and I both... You're, you're 25. I'm like, I'm still 19. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm still that kid that I was when I was selling Cutco. I just keep getting I, You know what? I think we're all 16-year-olds trapped in adult bodies. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. In, in terms of in, in good and bad, right? Like we, got, we have the insecurities that we had, yeah. the, like the personality traits that we had when we were kids, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. Those, those things are still there. It's really hard to grow through that stuff. And I think we have to embrace that, you know, we are still that child inside of us trying to get out or still scared and, and nervous, right? All of us are. Yeah. I don't remember what movie it was, but there was a film... There was a comedy and uh, she was trying to parent her kids and they said something about, you know, we need an adult. Or she goes, I need an adult. And they go, you are an adult. She goes, I need an adult to your adult. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, right? We're, kid, we're still, we still have that child inside us when we're raising our kids and we're like, man, interesting. We're learning as we go. So the book, obviously, Vivid Vision, of all your books, and this is a weird question to ask because I co-authored one with you, but uh, do you have one because I do, right? Um, I know I can answer this for me. It's a miracle morning, but do you have one? What's your baby? What's the one? Is it the first one? Is it what's your baby? You know, it's interesting. I don't think it's my baby, but okay. I think the, the one that I'm really impressed with is my most recent one, Free PR. 
really strong. Um, and I, I actually co-authored, I, I wrote it originally by myself. It was ready to go to print. And then I had one of my former clients that I coached, Adrian, who is the founder of Canvas Pop. I had Adrian um, Solomonovich read it. And Adrian read through it and goes, you know, you've got some amazing stuff, but I could add some on the digital side of free PR. Uh, because, you know, when you did all this stuff, Facebook wasn't around, LinkedIn wasn't around. I mean, you're, you're right. So he actually co-authored free PR with me. We had Tucker's group with Scribe, Tucker Max's group, um, yeah. do the publication for us. It's really good. Like it's really, 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 really good. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really proud of that book because I think it's very specific, easy to implement systems on how to generate free, free press for your company. That's great. And you know, Tucker, that's funny. Uh, Jonathan Levy, I interviewed, uh, we had a conversation uh, a couple of He did his book with Scribe. So Tucker and Scriber are doing some great things in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. What's the best way if somebody wants to reach out to you, get a hold of you, look into your COO Alliance, uh, that sort of thing? Obviously, our, our five books are on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. So all of our okay. books are there so they can find. And I would start with The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs for sure. I echo that. Yeah. And especially, well, but it's just, it's a really good book and it's really good for people in that are listening. I think it's the right tribe for that one to, as a good starting point. Sure. Um, and then the CameronHerald.com has all of the rest of my content and links and everything else there as well. Cool. Awesome, brother. Well, hey, it's a pleasure to have a uh, coffee chat with you. Yeah. I was sipping some coffee while we were talking. To I'm, you. I've been awake for a number of hours, so I'm onto my tea now. If I had any more coffee at 10 o'clock, I'd be flying. Yeah, gotcha. You've you actually ruined my mornings, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Because now I wake up so darn early. But here's my new secret. So I, I live in Vancouver part-time, and um, I have this beautiful view of the mountains and ocean and downtown. What I do now is I sleep with my blinds open. Mm. So, so I wake up to this beautiful sunrise at 6 o'clock over the mountains, and I just wake up when the sun rises. And... Normally, my miracle morning is like hugging the pillow and rolling over a couple times. Like I, I was never that big of a morning person, but I tease you when I'm saying that you ruin my mornings. I really do enjoy waking up naturally as the sun comes up. Hmm. Uh, still an hour before everybody else is anyway, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Summer. I wish the sun would come up at four for me because I like waking I know, up right? at four. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, you know what? You just made me realize I'm sure that I could get like some sort of Thing in my, I'm sure there's a wall-mounted picture frame that looks like a window that has a, a, a digital sunrise. I, I might have to see if that'll trick my brain. And if they don't have that, I need to invent the Miracle Morning digital sunrise. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Cool, brother. Hi, buddy. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Cam. I love you, and uh, great to talk to you. And uh, look forward to the next time. Thanks, buddy. Love you too. See ya. Take care. All right, goal achievers. That was. Cameron Harold, uh, my good friend, co-author of The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs and author of quite a few other books, as you heard at the beginning of the show. And um, check out his stuff. If you uh, run a business, you want to run a business, or if you have kids, I'm actually about to go have lunch right now. And I'm going to watch, I saw it years ago, but I haven't seen it in a long time, which is Cameron Harold's TED Talk, Let's Raise Kids to Be Entrepreneurs. So great talk. Love you, goal achievers. And I will talk to you guys and gals next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 